What's up, listeners? It's Andrea. Today, Worf is one crafty MacGyver. He teaches us Klingon Yahtzee. And we ask the question, how many more times can we craft on Aquiel? Stay with us. Welcome to the TNG Podcast, the number one place in the Alpha Quadrant to geek out about all things Star Trek The Next Generation. I'm your co-host, Sharice. Hey, I'm your co-host, Andrea. Today we're talking Season 6, Episode 17, Birthright, Part 2. This episode was written by Renee Echevarria and directed by Dan Curry. This is Dan Curry's first time directing a TNG episode. I don't know if it was his first time directing of all time, but the name might sound familiar. (laughs) And maybe not, but the name may sound familiar because he is the special effects wizard behind all of TNG, like, practical effects. Oh, really? Yeah, he was the prop master for all of like TNG as far like up to this point as far as I know but he's the one who made like the silkworm and the transporter mm-hmm. and all that like he did like he does all the creature everything and he's so cool so when I saw it was directed by Dan Curry I was like one I love a new director because it could give us like a new a new perspective a sure. new perspective right mm-hmm. but also I really really love that from what I've seen, like Star Trek in particular seems to be really all about like promoting from within. So mm-hmm. like you're working on special effects, but you want to try directing, like we'll give you an episode. Sure. Like I really love that. I really, really love that. Yeah. And it makes a lot of sense. Like I don't, since since you and I are not in the business, at least we're not at the point of this recording. Yeah. Um, we don't know how these things work, but. Maybe one day. Yeah. Yeah. and But who knows? Maybe it's always like this. But I love that also because the people who are in the family, as you put it, know the vibe like they know what trek is supposed to look like and feel like they know these characters i was actually reading uh we had we had a guest recently who was mentioning reading some of the star trek um like uh fanfic books yes so i picked up i picked up a couple of the books and i was reading through them and one of these books was written mm -hmm, one of these books was written i think after season one of tng and i was reading it and i was not in love with it because the Mm. characters were not the characters I know and love, like the, yeah. like the consistency was not, they had the same names and they looked the same, but the things yeah. that they would say and the ways that they would behave were not consistent with the characters I know, which makes sense if you wrote a book based off of the season one characters. Yes. Right? If yeah. We're like, book, Deanna is totally different as a person. Everyone like, is totally different. Yeah, Picard is yeah. so stiff and like, he's not this like really suave diplomat that we get later. Mm. You know, there's just so much development of the characters. But if you were to write that same book after season seven... It's mm-hmm. going to be totally different, right? Because totally so different. Much of their, yeah, their vibe. Well, all that to say, if this prop master has been around since the silkworm and the transporter, you know, he's been around all this time. Yeah, yeah, he totally knows the vibe, and he did a great job because this episode was very Trek, like was very in the world. Um, but you know, just jumping into my initial thoughts, yeah, it was so good. Like this is my favorite Worf episode on TNG, hands down. So I was super excited. To oh get yeah. This one. Oh, no, this, you know what, this is a really, really good Worf episode. I mean, it's really only Worf, like, we see the rest of the cast just for a minute Mm -hmm. to be like, huh, Worf didn't show up to his, like, the rendezvous point. Okay, let's go find out what's wrong. You know, but that's basically it. Like, it's really just Worf. And it does kind of close the loop on the whole Kittimer Mm -hmm. Moog thing, right? Like, which was teased out a bunch, you know, during, like, like, I didn't even need closure on it until I saw this episode. And then I'm like, oh, there was more to that story. 
Yeah. Okay. That's what I was going to say. Like, it felt like kind of a close story, like, you know, with the ascension of like, you know, mm-hmm. the Dur- you know, Duras and all that to find out that like Worf's father didn't betray the Klingons. It was Duras's father who betrayed the Klingons. And yeah, I thought that was like the end of it. But like, I love that it gives us a little bit more depth. It gives us a where are they now that we didn't even know, like, mm-hmm. we needed. Yep. Um, there isn't like my initial thoughts were I don't really remember much of this episode other than Worf is in this prison camp getting like in touch with his Klingon side and he's wearing this really cool all black ensemble that I defy anyone to find a problem with. <laughs> well, <laughs> except that except that in several long shots you see that it is just like a onesie, which I was like, mm-hmm. why couldn't this just be pants and like a shirt? But whatever, like beyond that, like it lo- he looks really cool. I'm like, Worf, wear more all black. You look really cool. Mm-hmm. Really cool. So one thing I, one of the first things I noticed is that this is a part two episode, right? So mm-hmm. Birthright Part One was more about Data with his dream program and like learning to access that and kind of and visiting, getting in touch with his father. Yeah, and visiting Deep Space Nine just to see how cool that set looks, but mm-hmm. not for no other reason. <laughs> for no other reason. For literally no other reason, right? So I love that it says, Last time on Star Trek The Next Generation. And the recap is only about Worf's journey because even Star Trek doesn't care about Data's stupid dream program. Like they didn't show one scene from last week's episode that had anything to do with anything remotely Data related. Yes, because <laughs> we're like, not going to even Star Trek does not care. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I was like, oh, are we going to see more of that? I really hope not. And we don't. So I'm like, yay. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't notice that because I skipped the recap. So that's funny. Um, like I, I skip the recaps. I skip the, you know, intro music. I, I usually do too, but this one, I was like, I'm just kind of curious to see how the, you know, because Worf story and data story are both about their fathers, but totally different other than mm-hmm. that. Right. So mm-hmm. it's like, how would they sort of blend this together? And they don't, they're like, they just don't. cut it. It just got left on the cutting room floor. <laughs> which like, we can okay. all agree. We can all agree was for the best. What that I did was. notice which was super interesting is starting in this episode, they literally picked up at the same like second that they finished mm-hmm. the last episode, which they never do. Whenever they do a conclusion, it's like it's it's like an- yes. another scene. It's it's a it's another the, scene in another with location. With the exception of Best of Both Worlds, right. where Riker says with Mr. Worf Fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Locutus one. Which and then we it's needed like, we needed that to be the, that exact moment. They actually had to rewind for that one. When part yes. two came on, it rewound to Mr. Worf Fire. Yes, because, yes. Like, we had to see what's going to happen. But usually on yeah. a part two, they just like that happened and they just pick up at the next scene. Like what happens yeah. after that? Yeah, whatever um, comes next. But this picked up like the very next sentence, which I thought was really cool because you could tell they just kept filming. Like mm-hmm. they didn't like leave and come back, which was really which was great. Right. So where we left Worf last week, he had broken into the Klingon uh, prison camp or I guess it's the Romulan prison camp that's holding Klingons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, he jumps over the wall and he sees some Klingons and they're like, you shouldn't have come, you know, and this old Klingon is like, your father's not here. He's dead. Like he died at Kittimer. Like we're what's left of the Kittimer massacre. And as you can see from the next number of scenes, there's only like 15 people there. So it's like very small, you know, mm-hmm. but he's like, you shouldn't have come and it's too late for you to turn back now. And like, you know, Romulan show up with disruptors and point their guns at him and they're like, okay, now you're a prisoner here. Congratulations. And that's it. It's like, dun, dun, dun. Mm-hmm. You know, so we learn, we kind of get this nice little background. So there's these two elder Klingons that tell the story of how the Klingons were captured. And now so, this is in this week's episode. So this now is we're this week's picking episode. up what the heck is going on. Worf is being disarmed from his 
Did he even have a weapon? His one weapon, if he had one? I, they just take Maybe. his backpack off. I don't even know if he had one. Yeah. They just take yeah. his backpack from him, which probably just had, like, rations. And, yeah, uh, some water and, and snack, Klingon yeah. snacks. Yeah, jerky And there's sticks. some Romulans at the door with their disruptors. And the Klingons yeah. are just kind of telling him, telling him what's up while he stands there bewildered as to why they're yes. trying to leave. And they're trying to capture him. Yes. He's like, how did you get here? What is going on? Why haven't you tried to escape? And so he learns that on Kittimer, like their deflector shields were taken out and they were knocked unconscious due to the explosions during the Kittimer massacre. Mm-hmm. And when they awoke in the prison camp, they were like, okay, now we have to kill ourselves. Like we have to go on like starvation and like kill ourselves through starvation. But the Romulans, like, I guess must've done some sort of force feeding or tube feeding or something mm-hmm. to like keep them alive. So after interrogation, they did that because warriors like the Klingons do not become captives yes that's their code of honor like we would kill we would kill ourselves before we just stay as a prisoner Mm -hmm, which actually makes all the sense in the world as like thinking about klingons you're like yep that tracks like that is something they would do they'd be like well i'm not gonna be a prisoner are you crazy no no absolutely not right so they were interrogated um by the romulans and who tried to trade them for territory but the klingon empire refused to accept that their warriors would have allowed themselves to be captured because of the dishonor so this main romulan tokath um, offered to let them go, and they didn't wish to return to Klingon because that they would bring dishonor return. in their family. Yeah, yeah. And it, so as we t- learned last episode, it would bring dishonor for three generations. So, Which I love the math on that. Like, who decided three instead of two or five? But okay, three. Well, because three to me, at least if they live as long as humans do, that's like the amount of time that you would be able to still see your. your I grand, guess that's you know true. I mean? that's like true. your fourth generation, you probably wouldn't see. But you would yeah. have like basically you'd bring enough dishonor to see it for your entire lifetime. It'd be dishonor for your yeah. whole lifetime. Yes, which is like yeah. cruel and unusual Dang. punishment. That sucks. It right? really so they, is. Yeah. So Tokat said you guys can go. And they were like, go where? We can't go home because we I are not going to bring this on our, on, on our families. So we'll just stay here. Like, we'll just stay in the prisons and just like stay as our, you know, with ourselves. Mm-hmm. And then we find out that Tok. this is what we find out later, but it makes more sense to, to, to say it now for, you know, for our benefit is that yeah. we discover that Tokat told the Romulan high, you know, high command. This mm-hmm. is what they want to do. They We can release them, but they don't want to go home. They want to stay here. Can they stay? And he was told that if they don't want to go home, kill them all. Yes. If they're going to stay and stay alive, you have to stay and babysit them. Mm-hmm. And so Tokath decided, fine, I will stay. Give up my career. Give up my home on Romulus. Never see my family again. Right. And stay on this prison camp, which is crazy like the whole story you're just like oh my gosh it's like no good choices this this is no this is no good choices yeah it is it is no good choices and it is war and so yeah he he tokath took pity on them and like built this camp and so yeah the klingons had like all of their honor was gone and so they had nothing left to lose just by staying like in this camp now we do get this cool exterior shot of the prison camp and it's like a white complex of buildings surrounded by extremely lush jungle in every direction and i was like i would 100 percent book this airbnb for my next vacation because it looks gorgeous <laughs> it's, it's the most comfortable prison i've ever seen prison camp yeah like, they have like, other wow. prison, camps, prison prisons on the show um and they have other prisons on in the trek universe in general but this place yeah. is great like Worf's quarters those were legit like that's bigger than my room so I, I was like, wow, okay. Um, now the main kind of storyline of this entire operation is that Worf sees these, I'm gonna say domesticated Klingons. Like all of their like warrior spirit is like not there. You have the older generation who was at Kittimer and who were taken prisoner, but they've obviously like 
kind of like settled in this camp and like yeah. had families. So there's like a bunch up, of like 15 year old. Yeah. Klingons. They've given up their, their Klingon nest. They've given up being warriors because they were like, we died the day we were captured. Yeah. We weren't allowed to kill ourselves. We were basically ghosts. They've literally taken all their armor, weapons, everything mm. that made them Klingon, put them in boxes and put those boxes away. Mm-hmm. Like we are no longer those people. This is who we are now. So yes, as you've said, now they have families. And so we have all these yeah. These teenagers, these young adults um, running around who don't know anything about what it's like yeah. to be Klingon at all. And we get Not more entering in to show them who they are, which to me is really beautiful and full circle because he was yes. raised on Earth away from Klingon and had to pretty much teach himself about his culture. And now he's getting to bring his culture to other people who yeah. were raised with Klingons, but so far away from the from the planet Klingons, so far away from the home world. Yeah. They have no concept of what it means to quote unquote be Klingon. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very, you know what? There's, I had a couple of thoughts about this. One, I was like, Worf is the least Klingon Klingon I know. He's like mm-hmm. super tame. Like he, yeah. he doesn't do a bunch of the stuff that, like, you know, when he was with his brother on his ship, he yeah. was like, damn, y'all are too Klingon even for me. Right. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I was like, Worf may not be the right person to like, teach them about their Klingonness, but he's also the perfect person because he never really got that for himself and he's always mm-hmm. felt like an outsider. Mm-hmm. So now, you know, he's, he's, Worf is a third culture kid. He's yeah. grown up between Klingon culture and his looks. Like he looks too Klingon to pass as human, but he's too human for the Klingon's taste. Mm-hmm, so it's like, he's sure. had to make, he's had to make himself a third culture in which like he kind of resides. Right. So this I thought was really, really nice. And when I saw him doing like Mokbara, like in the, in the courtyard, which is the yeah. Klingon Tai Chi, you know, the other Klingons, especially the young ones are like, what's that? What are you doing? Like, just all of it, like the whole kind of show is him exploring his own culture and then also like awakening the culture in these like mm-hmm. youths who have no idea like about what this is for. So one of the first scenes we see is he's he gets really upset at this like young Klingon male who's probably like 16 or 18 or whatever named Toke, and he's using this like spear as like a tiller to like till the soil to plant Mm -hmm. some like cabbages and stuff and he was like what are you doing like this is a weapon of war this is not for farming right yeah and and you know Toke is like i don't know like listen first of all who are you to tell me how to use my, t- like, I've got work to do. I don't have time for this, but also, yeah. and he's not you wrong know, with that. <laughs> who he's, are he's you? not wrong. He's you like, literally just got here yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know. Calm you, man. Cool your jets, buddy. Yeah. But you know, Worf does talk to Token. He's like, can you leave whenever you want? Like what, what are you, what are you even doing here? He's like, and Token's is like, why would I want to leave here? It's safe here. The Klingon war is still happening. Klingon is still a dangerous place. And so Worf sort of hears from, like, multiple other young that, like, they've been taught to believe that, like, the Klingon war is still happening. Mm -hmm. And so it's not safe for them to leave. And so they're like, okay, which kind of... Yeah, and they've also been taught that their parents, that there's a Romulan-Klingon war that is actively happening. And that their parents were forced to fight in the war, whether they wanted to or not. So they all fled in the middle of the night and founded this colony here. So mm-hmm. they could be away from the pressure of being forced to fight and they yeah. can live peacefully. So yes. this is this is really, really genius way of controlling the kids because yeah. they have zero desire to enter into this crazy, dangerous world where here it's safe. There's peace. They have everything that they need. There's supply ships that come and bring them stuff. Mm-hmm. They're happy. They've got their family. They've got their friends. Why would they want to go into this war-torn 
place outside mm-hmm. of their little bubble. It was a really 100%. clever story because how else are they going to explain Romulans and Klingons being together without explaining the history of Romulans or Klingons? Yes. Well, it also, to me, like brought about the issue of controlling anybody with like false um, narratives, right? Where it's like, mm-hmm. you know, Tokath is the main Romulan in charge. He decides whatever these people get to learn. Right. And so you tell them you tell them a bunch of lies and people get all rallied behind it because that's their only source of information. Right. And so it feels to me, it feels dangerously similar to like at the out, you know, at the outset of the pandemic, how like different wings of um, politics were like disseminating information and how some people thought like COVID was a hoax. It's not real. And it's not this and it's not that. Cause like, that's the information they were hearing. And then other people yeah. were like, no, it is real. right. So it, it just, the issue is still prevalent today. Like it's still happening now, which to me is like very scary. I would say the difference here is that the Romulan prison guards and, mm-hmm. you know, Tokath and the Klingon you know, elders were on the same page about the lie. And that's what makes the difference mm-hmm. is because if everybody can get on the same page, at least everyone's moving in the same direction, even if it's yes. the wrong direction, we're moving in unity. <laughs> so that's like, true. And that's why that's the kids were so well controlled. It's not like the Klingons were saying one thing and the Romulans were saying another thing. It's like they got together, they hatched this story and they all said, we're, we're going to stick to it. They all stuck to the story. And that's why the kids had no reason to doubt. No reason at all. If Worf had yeah, because everybody's telling the it. same information. Yeah. yeah and then they're telling each that. other that because why wouldn't they believe that? So the kids are telling the other kids and the kids are telling each other like, yeah, this is, you know, our home is so great. Our home is so wonderful. So Worf is, you know, chatting with with talk about that and, and talk storms off. And then out of nowhere, that um, young Klingon woman, Baylor. Wait, no, that's her name. Bael. 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 Yeah. Bael um, kind of runs into him and says the same thing, like, aren't you relieved? You're out of the war and all this stuff. And Worf is just like, what are you even talking about? And then um, her mom comes along and is like, I told you don't talk to that man. So she leaves and Worf's homing beacon goes off at the perfect time when mm-hmm. there are no witnesses around conveniently. And, I love it. It's um, like, bloop, 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 bloop. You're like, that was kind of loud, buddy. Right? And I was like, what is that? And then when he goes to his quarters and he pulls something out of the wall... I was like, is that a phaser? Is that like a weapon? And to this day, I don't know what it was, but there was something in the wall that was perfect for him. And I thought he was going to hide his beacon there, but he didn't. He just put it back like in his sleeve. And mm-hmm. I was like, what if it goes off again? You know, I was just so worried that he was going to hopefully he turned out. it. Hopefully he turned it to vibrate. So it would like at least not make a sound. Yeah. <laughs> I did notice he did pull like that panel out and he was kind of like pushing some buttons, which got, I got to say. Major props to sound editing because he was just pushing buttons that weren't there and the beeping sound was still there. So I was like, this mm-hmm. right here is good sound editing right off the top. Like, I, I loved it. It was so cool. And you and I were talking off camera, off mic about um, how in this episode, like, no moment was wasted. And I feel like... Nothing. I feel like that, like, this is an example. When his homing beacon goes off, um, when... Bael walks away mm-hmm. it was like there wasn't even a pause there was no moments in there that was just him staring him looking yes. him thinking it was like boom yes. boom 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 like the story just yes. kept going and so this is when um Tokath comes to his quarters and tells him you know all the stuff about why he decided to stay and he kind of threatens him he's like hey my family's here like don't don't mess up what we have here don't mess up the balance mm-hmm. and I was thinking at that time it's too late him just showing up at all already is going to make the young people question where did he come from yeah 
Why, why is if there's a war why is he going saying, on? Are, yeah. are others coming? You know, just whatever. It's just putting stuff in their head. Yeah, your presence, your pre- his Worf's presence in this prison camp is a is a is a, a pebble is a pebble on a still lake. It causes yep. waves even mm-hmm. just by being there. Like even if he dropped in, made a quick scene and left, now you have questions that need answering. Right. So it's very very much. Yeah, that, even, like exactly. To trigger, even if he left, it would still have yes. been a problem. Yeah, I mean, not as big yeah. of a problem, but people would still be like, where did he come from? Why did he come? Is he co-? like, there would just be questions. So it's it's mm-hmm. kind of like we need to we need to start thinking about what to do now that this random Klingon has shown up into our group. Yep. But Tokath delivers a very um, professional threat. And <laughs> Worf is like, uh, I'm whatever. Like, he's just like, whatever, dude. So he ends up pulling that thing out the wall and somehow turning it into an improvised explosion. MacGyvering you know, that bad boy. I love, I love that like a simple little cube in a wall can be made into an explosion, which tells me that we need to get like boned up on our like Star Trek devices because if we're ever in some sort of situation like this, we can just like beep boop beep boop like my AirPods and make them explode. <laughs> make them explode in the window, which makes a hole big enough for a whole body to walk through or yeah. something. Yeah. It, it feels very Simpson-y. And I've brought this up before where it feels like <laughs> the Simpsons where like, you know, they start off with like a gasoline truck that like tips over and explodes. And then yeah. like more and more simple things explode where like a little kid is riding a tricycle and bumps into a tree and tips over and the tricycle explodes. Yep. And then at one point, like, uh, I think it's like a leaf falls off the tree. And when it touches like the ground, it explodes. <laughs> like, it just becomes a hole and so, <laughs> and I love that a kid riding a tricycle like explodes. <laughs> but yeah. it really does feel like literally anything could be an explosive device in the right hands in the I Star Trek you're gonna world. Say, I thought you were going to say we need some, there's some like safety code violations in the building of this housing structure. But no, no. I like that instead. Like, yeah, you can just take something out, hit a few buttons, throw it into some containers and it explodes. And that's exactly you what happens. slap a mullet wig on me and like a little like <laughs> vest and like an eraser and like a ballpoint pen and I can make anything explode. In my mind, in Star Trek, yeah. It's MacGyver meets Star Trek. Yes, and so Worf escapes. Like, he legitimately escapes this, albeit unwell-guarded prison, and jumps the fence, because it's not a prison anymore. Now it's just like a, it's just it's a like home. It's a colony, yeah. Yeah, it's just a colony. So he he scales the, the freaking wall, and he's running. Sure does. Through this crazy jungle with the brain snakes and all the stuff, and he's just running, running, running. And he almost makes it to... The freighter, like he can see the freighter through the clearing when Talk jumps him and is trying to like capture him. He doesn't even know what's going on. He just knows the Klingon's trying to escape and he tries to catch him. And right. Worf tussles with him and then he's about to punch him in the face and he realizes, oh, it's just a kid. I mean, he's we're saying kid, kid yeah. but these actors are actually like in their 20s. But they yeah. seem like they're they seem like they're 15. Like they seem 18. extremely yeah. young. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so um, so he's like, I'm not just gonna hit this like kid. And that minute of hesitation was enough time for the Romulans to catch up with him with their disruptors. The freighter guy has already scurried off and flew yeah, away. He's long gone. He's yeah. peaced out. And you're like, dang it, Worf literally almost escaped. I was so impressed by that escape, by the way. I was like, where's he gonna go? Oh my gosh, he almost made it. I was so impressed. Like, right? I was like, how far are you gonna run in the jungle? You're only like eight seconds ahead of everybody else. Yeah, but he could have totally made it. Like but you know what with the freighter, with the freighter, then it was like, aha, here's your way out. And then of course the Uridian Shrek was like, Oh, are you in trouble? Later. Beep. Like there goes yep. his mm-hmm. ship. And you're like, Oh, all right. Cool. You're on your own, buddy. Which I mean, that's not surprising about the Uridian well, because Shrek he was told sketchy him ahead AF of time. anyway. 
he told him ahead of time, like, be there when this beacon goes off. I will wait for one hour or whatever he said. Or else, yeah. And then I will be leaving and I will leave you. Like, he already told him. So when he runs away, it was like, he did tell you he was going to do that. We're not expecting loyalty here. And plus, he still didn't even get paid. So the only reason he stayed for the hour was to make sure he got that other half. Right. (laughs) Rather him not get it than him get imprisoned, right? So. Yeah, no, no. I'd rather be broke than imprisoned. Absolutely. Um, Now, they do bring him back and they put a tracking chip in his neck. And they're like, you're free to wander around inside. But you can't leave. And Worf is like, I'll never get you stood here. I'll never be one of you or whatever he says. And off he goes to, this is when he starts practicing his mukbara, the tai chi. And the others are kind of drawn to him. And he's like, the form clears the mind and enter and like centers the body and all this. And I think that it's really cool to see him finding his peace. Yeah. You know, one of the tools when that- he's freaking stressed. Yes. Like one of the tools that we struggle with as humans um, is like, reaching for the appropriate tools when we get stressed or upset. And I think that this is great. Like Worf has clearly practiced the Mokbara so much. And he was like teaching it on the enterprise. Like he's an expert in it, let's call him. And mm-hmm. so he's stressed and he immediately reaches for one of his tools. And I was like, this is really healthy right here. And it's also really beautiful to see, you know, this whole kind of group of youths be like, what is that? And they immediately start trying to like Imitating emulate him. what he's doing. Yeah. yeah. I was Does like, that kind of make you want to do it too? Like when you see First all these all, kids being like, ooh, ooh, that makes me want to be like, well, I want, I want to try. <laughs> Let me tell you, I immediately opened up a new tab on my computer and looked at the local botanical garden near where I live. Pre-pandemic used to do yoga in the garden and then an hour of like Tai Chi in the garden, like as well, like after. Mm-hmm. And I looked it up and I was like, I am going to sign up for a class because I want to try it. Like it looks... I mean, it's all taken from the principles of Tai Chi, which is all very like yoga-esque and like mind-body connection and all that. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this just looks so cool. It looks so smooth and calming and relaxing. It looks very calming. It does. I really want to try it. Um, But Tok is like, what are you doing? You know? And so Worf is like, you're young. You don't know. Like, join us. I will teach you. But Tok is very, very... I call him Romulanified. Like, he is very, like, this is our life. You've come to disrupt it. Like, these are my overlords. Like, we're fine with this life. Like, you're coming mm-hmm. up and you're disrupting stuff. And this is where, like, Worf is like, wow, you guys know nothing about your culture. Um, And he's got, like, a fireside chat happening with the kids afterward, telling the story of, like, Kayless the Unforgettable and, and like, you know, the some yeah, of the, like, Toke is, like, campfire scene. Uh, he's just teaching them their... He's just teaching them their stories. And when and when Tom comes along and is all mad about it, it's like, that's not, that's not possible. That didn't happen. All this stuff. He's just like, these are our stories. This this teaches us who we are. This is how mm-hmm. we find our identity. And it's at that moment when LaCour comes out and is like, all right, all right, kids, break it up, break it up. Mm-hmm. Everybody go to bed. Because he's being reminded of his story and his past, which he has tried so hard. They've been in this camp for 23 years. He has tried so hard to bury everything about being Klingon mm-hmm. because of the shame. Mm-hmm. Because of the yeah. intense shame of being a prisoner, not allowed to die, and not allowed to go home, um, that he's tried really hard to just forget about all of this. So here comes Worf, and he's bringing it all back up, and he's stirring it up, and he's passing it on to the kids, the kids who've never heard these stories that little Klingon children hear at birth from birth. They've mm-hmm. never heard them. They've heard the songs, but they don't know what the songs are about. Like, yeah, I could see this being really threatening to um, their way of life. But also just really uncomfortable, right? For LaCour to be like, oh, that's who, to see himself in Worf. Yes. Like, that was me, but that person is dead. Yeah. And 
I don't. And now what do we do? We have kids. And what do we do with that? Because they Mm -hmm. also can't go home, you know? Yeah, they really they really can't. And this is, I think, where it starts to be like the unlocking portion of the story. That's like Worf is starting to unlock something, you know, deep and and asleep in like these kids like these kids had never access like their really Klingon side and like their warrior stories and their and their history and everything right like because the older Klingons who were captured like they they're like we're basically no longer Klingon like right you know we live by our code of honor and it's yeah we're not we're not we have no honor we have no anything like this is just who we are now and so Worf wants to Worf wants to go on a hunt and Tok is like Listen, dude. Wait, before that, the reason why the hunt um, happened, which was so, again, really cool, is that the the kids, I keep calling them kids, the youngsters, <laughs> they're all playing in the in the courtyard. <laughs> Spoken <laughs> like an old person. <laughs> right? I could not take any notes without feeling like an old person this entire episode. Because I was, I kept saying like the kids. And I'm like, girl, they're like 20. But they don't seem like 20 because they're so naive. They seem yeah, they're really very young. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And so, yeah, so the, the kids are out there playing. And they're playing with, like, this colorful hula hoop and these sticks. Mm-hmm. And so they're, like, throwing the hula hoop and trying to land it on the sticks or whatever. And so Tok is, like, you know, it's his turn. And he's, like, woo, this is fun or whatever. And while he's playing, Worf sees them. And he comes out and he grabs one of the spikes. And then as as Tok rolls the hula hoop, he throws the spike through the hoop. And then he mm-hmm. says something. I, I don't remember what he said. Like, something like kaplaf. He says, he says kaplaf. Okay. I wrote it down. I was like, because he went, he kind of went Yahtzee, but he went, yes. exactly. <laughs> like, I win. So, I exactly. Like, okay. So he said, Klingon Yahtzee. And, and Tok <laughs> was like, that is not how this game is played. Like, he was so upset. Like, you're messing up the game, dude. You don't even know how this is played. Yeah. And then Worf is like, this isn't a game. This is to refine your, this is like to refine your reflexes when hunting. And he's just like, what are you talking about hunting? We have replicators. And I was like, I hear you on that one. Because we right? sure do. We sure do. Like, to this, like right now where we don't I have I do not feel the need stores. to skin and clean an animal. No, no. I, I'm a city girl, not a farm girl for, for a reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can have friends who love that life. And I just, you know, God bless them. When they come here, we visit together. But you know, like, you know me, like I'm all about like the wilderness and like nature, yeah. which I love. Mm-hmm. But you know what I will do is I'll bring a sandwich that I got from stuff from the store to make yeah. the sandwich. I mean, that's the purpose <laughs> of the store. I'm so grateful yeah. that we don't live in those societies. But that's and agrarians, like, yeah. Yeah, he's like, we have replicators. We don't hunt. And I'm like, mm-hmm. But Worf is like, that's not the point, which, of course, is not the point of hunting anymore. Like, it's it, yeah. it's been a long time since hunting has been the only source of sustenance. It's it's not about that. So he's like, it's about being a warrior and all this other stuff. And he's like, you know what? I think you're old enough. You need to go on the hunt because it's like a rite of passage that I guess they do with little kids. But he's like, you, yeah, you know, you're you're tough, you're strong. Like, let's go on this hunt. And then talk is like, they don't want to let you go on a hunt. Are you crazy? They don't even want you going out of the compound. Like, you're not supposed to go anywhere. I'm supposed to be watching you. I'm supposed to be your bodyguard. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And Worf is like, I think they'll let me go. Like, tr- they'll let me go. It's fine. So he goes to talk to um, Torath and Lepore, mm-hmm. who are you mm-hmm. know like the head of everything. To be yeah. like, I want to take the boy on the ritual hunt. And Tokath dismisses it outright. This is not, and here is where I think we start. This is this scene is where we start to see the divide. So before we start to see the unlocking, mm-hmm. this You're is right. where we start to see the divide. Because even though they've combined into one community, there are still two cultures living in this community. Yes. Yeah. And one of these cultures is still oppressed by the other culture. Like, even though we're all quote unquote equal, we're not. 
we're still not because Tokath is still in charge. The Romulans mm-hmm. are still in charge. So when the Klingons want to express any Klingoniness, then it's like smashed out of them. That's not allowed. Like yeah. your culture's here, but it's not allowed to exist. So this is where we start to see that divide yeah. where Worf is like, I want to take him on the hunt. And and Lacour is like, I don't know. And then Torath is like, what? Are you crazy? You can't that, be serious. You, you just, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. No, you know? And then, and then. <laughs> By the way, I love how, I love how sassy you made him. We're not doing that. No. Absolutely <laughs> not. Af- negative. Not- <laughs> negative. Yeah, that's Tokath. <laughs> and um, he, is, he is a sassy <laughs> Romulan. Okay. And, but then Worf is like, I give you my word. That, you know, I will just go on this hunt and come back. I'm not going to try to escape. I'm not going to try to hurt anybody. Like, I just want yeah. to have this experience. Yeah. And Torath doesn't believe that for a hot second. And LaCour is just like, he gave he gave you his word as a warrior. And that means something to us. Again, there's that cultural divide. Where yeah. he's like, your promise doesn't mean anything to me as a Romulan. And as a Klingon, he's like, but it was his promise. Like, it means everything. Mm-hmm. And he was like, look, 23 years ago, I gave you my word as a warrior that I would not escape. Have I ever done anything mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to make you doubt that word? And I won't because I gave my promise. And it just like it gives me chills thinking about it. Like that's those are the parts of the Klingon culture that I really admire and respect is the integrity. Like to be like, if that, what I said what I said and I'm going to do that. Right. Mm-hmm. And to- Tokath is just such a little pill about all of this. He's like, oh, well, fine. He's your, he really he's your responsibility. And, you know, his word, okay. I don't know. He just is kind of like taunting and not really believing it, but he's like, whatever, let him go. But they go yes. on this great. They like, go on this great hunt. This is like where Toke really is like, oh, I am a Klingon. Like he comes back all Klingonified, right? Yes. He comes back hard Klingonified. I smell the prey. I can feel it in my nostrils. He, like, my heart is pounding. I'm alive. alive. Yeah, he yeah, literally like, came to life. Okay. So they come back from the hunt where you know everybody's sitting around everybody's sitting around for dinner and tokath is like where's your klingon now right like are you sure mm-hmm. he's coming back he gave and you his word back. haha yeah like total pill behavior but girl toke comes in and suddenly toke is xena warrior princess he's got like a skinned and clean lamb that he like smacks on the table where tokath is eating and Tokath is like, get this shit off my table. He's like, no, a Klingon does not kill an animal if you don't plan to eat every part of it. Rah, right. And he comes back and mm-hmm. he starts singing the Klingon songs. And he's like, the blood running through my veins. Like, he is like, this is quite the conversion. Yes. It was like, so all it took was for Tok to go on a hunt. And all of a sudden he's all the way, you know, and of course this whole time, like, Tokath is like, okay, now I'm seeing a major problem with Worf being here. And Worf mm-hmm. is kind of looking at him like, mm-hmm, I told you, see, right? So they're kind of looking at each other across the mm-hmm. room. So or I'm sorry, not I'm I've been saying his name wrong. Torath. Torath is like, uh okay, Worf. <laughs> Maybe we should have just let you escape. <laughs> you know, because now you're causing more of a problem by just being here because you're awakening all this stuff that we don't want awakened and in our prisoners, right? And it really does become more and more clear. We haven't built a home for them. We built a prison for them and oppressed their stories and their culture and their way of life. And now they're like awakening in that and mm-hmm. learning to like embrace this and be like, wow, this is like who I am. This is amazing, right? Mm-hmm. So that's when Taurus is like, live like us or I got to put you to death. 
And Worf yeah. is like, cool, cool, cool. Kill me. It'll be an honorable death and I'll be a martyr, which yeah. is you need. You can't kill a martyr. You can't because yeah. the message is so much more powerful dead than alive. Yeah. And, that's, and, you, that's, and you were yeah. you were saying it right. It is Tokath. You were saying it is right. Is it? Oh, mm-hmm. okay. All right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, exactly. He's You can't kill a martyr. It's too little too late. And you know, Tokath didn't have a problem with it until, I mean, he he did have a problem with it. He was getting nervous, but it was when he looked over and saw his daughter who yeah. we discover is actually part Romulan, part Klingon. She looks Klingon, yes. but she's got pointy ears. Yep. And so we, when she said, when she starts singing the song, that's when he's like, all right, like enough of this because everybody to be- lights out, exactly. lights out. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, he threatens Worf and Worf is just like, that's fine. It'll be an honorable death. I'm okay with that. And he's just like, damn it. Is- Right, because this is his this is his ace in the hole. Like he couldn't use that weapon against the original Klingons that he had captured because they wanted to die. So killing them would give up his power. So he said, "I'm going to keep you alive, mahaha," and you know, trade your lives. But then the Klingon High Command was like, "We don't want them. Like they they can't be alive because they're warriors. They would have killed themselves. So they were useless to him. So he had no really control. Yeah, over he them. had nothing at all. And now here nothing. with Worf, he's pulling his his ace card, which is, "I will kill you if you don't conform." Mm-hmm. To which Worf says, sounds good to me. What time do you want to do it? <laughs> right? Like, he's, Can I get a quick a- sandwich first before? Yeah. Okay. He, like he says, it will be an honorable death and it will show the young people what it means to be Klingon even better than anything else I've done so far. So let's do mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Tokath, you're between a rock and a hard place. Like you don't have control over this Klingon. You've controlled every other Klingon in this camp. You know, and it's not, I'm not making him the bad guy because the, the elder Klingons are just as culpable for making these kids brainwashed and ignorant. Yes. Yeah. But that power is gone now. So he's like, all right, yep. let's do it. Let's do it in an hour <laughs> or whatever. Like, it's like, they set yeah. the time, they're, like they're like, fine, I'm going to kill you because like you're disrupting my, f- now you're disrupting my actual family and I can't yeah. have this. I can't have that. I can't so have they, that at all. They put him in front of the firing squad. And actually before that, the daughter comes to try to like help him escape. But he's like, no, I'm a Klingon. I'm not going to escape. I'm going to stay here and die like a Klingon. Yes. You're just like, wow. I love that he says, I do love that he says like, He's like, I may be killed, but I won't be defeated. And I was like, wow, see, that's the difference Such a good line. in in like mindset, right? Yeah. It's like, sure, mm-hmm. I may die, but I'm not going to be defeated. And I was like, that's the mindset right there of like a warrior in a really poetic and beautiful way. Because you think of warrior mindset and you're like, kill, 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 or mm-hmm. rah, or whatever. And sometimes you know. it's die. Sometimes it's die. And mm-hmm. sometimes that's okay. You know, like it's not preferable, but like my message won't die. And I know like he has, he is being put to death. And he does have this whole speech where he's like, I'm being put to death because I brought dangerous knowledge to the young Klingons. And that Mm. knowledge is a virus. It spreads. And like, once you accept fact as truth, then you can't, there's kind of, you can't go back to like the way that they were living. And, you know, I love that she's, Biola's like, I don't want you to die. And they kiss and stuff. And he's like, I never thought I could love a Romulan. And I was like, First of all, you've had like three interactions with this girl. Calm down, Worf. Like, well, she you was were... the one who brought it up. She was all like, I know you care for me. You speak of death, but what about love? Tell me you have love in your heart and all this stuff. And she's the one who starts with, but I love you, Worf. And he's like, I love you too. And I was like, I wrote in my notes, um, it's been three days, boo. What are I y'all th- doing? Thank what you. What are y'all doing? It's thank you. I get thank it's an you. intense situation. Which can accelerate feelings, but it's been three days. Like it calm sure down. can. It sure can. Like, listen, <laughs> I personally, every time I've ever been in love, it did hit really fast, but by fast, it's like a couple of weeks, not three interactions that you have. And two of them were like watched over by your parents. 
<laughs> where you're just exchanging some pleasantries. It feels a little Downton Abbey-esque to me. And I know that sounds really weird, putting Downton Abbey in a Romulan war camp on Star Trek. But like, that's how like people would get married there. They would have like a handful of interactions all around the family. And then the man would be like, so you seem like you'd be a good fit. Will you marry me? And she's like, okay. And then they get married and that's it. And it's like, huh? No wonder there was so many unhappy marriages and all that. Because yeah, even an intense situation like this, like does accelerate feelings. Like there's always mm-hmm. a lot of like, Whenever you have war, you always also see a huge spike in like marriages Mm because people are like, our lives could end at any moment. What are we waiting for? You know, and Mm -hmm. you get swept up in the emotion. But then if if these people who go off to war come back from war and then they have to live like a regular, Mm non-accelerated, exciting feeling kind of life. Yeah. Then it's like you've really come down hard. You really have. I've made a huge mistake. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. A huge mistake. So I guess they're in love. Okay, whatever. whatever. So they make out and she leaves. And it's funny that she he's like, I never thought I would love a Romulan. But like 99% of her looks completely Klingon. So you don't even know she's Romulan except yeah. for 20 years. If you hadn't seen those, you'd have no idea. But she does make a really good point where she's just like, you know, she's like, I want to take you away, Worf. You know, or why can't you stay here and be with me because we're in love or whatever? Why can't you just mm-hmm. live here and be happy? Mm-hmm. And then she, he was like, if I had a choice, I'd take you with me instead. And she goes well, based on your reaction to me when you first saw my ears, I would not be accepted on the Klingon homeworld. Like, no Klingons would have me because I'm part Romulan, which I was like, that is a really good point. Like, his reaction, and he's, like, the most, like, accepting of the Klingons. So if his reaction was horrified and disgusted, like, you'd probably be killed on the spot by some other Klingon, right? So she has a really good point that she's not safe in the the world just by her from her DNA and how she looks. I know. But then he turns around and says, well, I can't stay here because none of these Klingons will accept me, right? He's too Klingon for these Klingons Mm -hmm. and she's not Klingon Klingon enough for the others and it's just like a a sticky situation. And too Klingon for the Romulans, yeah. But in any case, that's what happens. He agrees to die. He's not going to run away and next thing you know, we're in the square doing the execution and Mm -hmm. the whole village has turned out. So all 30 of them are like hanging out. I know. It was like all, all 14 of the people are staying, are milling around, (laughs) right? Milling around. Yeah. They're just milling around kind of nervously. And yeah, Worf does this death speech where it's like, I, like I am being put to death because I brought this dangerous knowledge to the young Klingons. And so, you know, it's what it is like, but even after I die, like the truth of the matter will spread. These kids are now awakened to their like this side of them that they didn't know. And they're going to want to explore it more because they were really embracing the fuck out of it. Like 20 minutes ago when we were yeah. singing songs over the shorn lamb, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's when Toke comes in and he's like, stop this. And he's in full blown Klingon armor and he's got the spear that he was using for tilling. And there isn't an ounce of like earth on that yeah. thing it's all There's clean no and seeds, shiny no and mm-hmm. nothing he is ready and he's like if you kill me if you kill so him dope. he looks so good yeah he looks so great he's like if you kill Worf, you'll have to kill me too and then i wrote in my notes i wrote speech 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 the day is saved <laughs> because one Klingon <laughs> after another after another was like and you'll have to kill me too and me too and me too and then bael comes in and she's like me too and that's when tokath is like Bile, and you could see like his little disruptors like getting shaker and shake, but he still has it's it up. over. He's still, boo. he's still holding his ground. It's he's shaking, over. He, and then his wife comes up and just puts her puts his hand down like, honey, come on, it's like, not happening. You're not, you're not gonna shoot our daughter in the face. No, let's just. No. We've already lost this battle. The entire, the entire colony at this point is standing in front of these three disruptors. Let's mm-hmm. just. Like we have call to it what it is. And then she makes yeah. a great speech where she says, "You know, we were so focused on." not going back to our home world 
because we didn't want to bring dishonor to our families, that we didn't we didn't for once stop to think about what we were doing to our families here since we created new families. Because 23 years ago, they mm-hmm. decided to stay. But now, 23 years later, they've got a whole bunch of people populating this area. So now, you know, it's just a different, it's a different reality they hadn't thought of. So she's like, this prison is our prison, right? The Romulans and the elders, yes. they all agreed to stay. This is not the kids' prison. They never agreed to this life. So yeah. they were like, we, you know... We can't, we can't keep them here forever, which actually was a good point. Cause how long were they going to stay? You know, they weren't going to be able to stay forever. They would need mm-hmm. some new genes in the gene pool at some point. So then, so Worf is like, he turns to all the kids and he's like, listen, youngsters, <laughs> your family, your parents made this huge sacrifice of never going home to be here. So now, and now they're making another sacrifice of letting you leave to never return, yeah. probably. Yeah. So we have to honor them by never, ever speaking of this place. Yeah, Never tell anyone yes. it doesn't exist. And he cooks up this story about they were they crashed in some freighter in some nearby Romulan homeworld like four years ago. And they're now being delivered. These are know, the survivors. Back. These are the survivors. Yeah. Like, this is the story yeah. we're going to tell. Um, and... And you know that that's it. Next thing you know, they're being beamed aboard. Like the 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 Romulan supply ship comes and mm-hmm. picks everybody up. Tokath explains everything to them. They go and drop everybody off at the Enterprise. And Worf is met in the transporter room by Picard and tells Picard like there was nobody at at Kittimer. It was totally like there was no prison camp. Everyone died, but there was a ship that crashed four years ago, and these are the survivors of that ship. Yeah, Picard looks at him and goes, mm, "I understand." And I, was I like, loved that. It was such a knowing look where it's like, yeah. I, I, this is why I love Picard so much too, because he doesn't need to pry to know that something is up. And if yeah. Worf d- wants to say that nothing happened, then nothing happened. Wink, wink. Then that will be the official go about report. Our that mm-hmm. will be the official report. And like, if you want to have a cup of Klingon poison tea, you know, <laughs> together and talk about this at some point, like my door is always open for you, but nothing happened okay nothing happened then then nothing yeah. happened yeah yeah um and i love it and i do love picard saying mm, i understand i was like oh it's so good and like off they go so in that way like the original population of the survivors of Kittimer still can live in this prison camp because they can't go back but now these young klingons have a story that they can take back to klingon homeworld and not be seen as like outcasts right where it's like Mm -hmm. we were on this like outpost and we were on a ship and it crashed and we're survivors we survived there for a couple of years the end so that now there's no like messy strings attached of like Mm -hmm. questions of like who are you who are your Mm -hmm. parents where'd you come from kittimer survival yeah all that Mm -hmm. okay dishonor right like they have a they've been washed clean and they Mm -hmm. have this whole fresh story they can take and then go like create a life which i think is really lovely for Worf to like launch a whole new like generation of Klingons. But it is really, really cool because he really missed out on a lot of that. Like, thank you, Roshenkos, for raising him. Yeah. Obviously, he wouldn't have survived without them, but he also now gets to like really kind of lean into his Klingon side. And I think it's so cool. Also, totally random side note. The hair that Kling that that Worf starts to wear from this episode going forward, where he's got the long hair, which is sort of Mm -hmm. like that leather cord tying his hair back. Mm-hmm. It looks so freaking cool. It looks great. so cool. Like it is. The- it looks very masculine and like dapper. Something about it looks yeah. just very neat and clean and professional or something to me. Yes, but it's all still very kind of like 
It's almost like a pirate. <sighs> something, something about yeah, it I was like, going to say there's a, there's a like roughness about it. Yes. Cause usually, you know, you don't see like men with long hair aboard the, aboard the enterprise, but it's like tied back and it's got this leather cord. So it's got like a rustic mm-hmm. outdoorsy. It's kind of like a, it's really like cool. a Jason Momoa look. Like it really is. Yeah, it's like a big burly guy with long hair, but the hair is like pulled back, but it's still a little messy and rough. But it's like contained. But it's like neat. Yeah, so it's, no, something, no. it's something about that perception of like this contained power or mm-hmm. something in this in this frame that you're just like okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, a hundred percent. I love that. Um, I know I've just spent five minutes talking about Worf's hair, but that does look really cool. And then I've <laughs> noticed in like future episodes, he kind of keeps it that way. And when we think back. To season one and two wharfs that had like the crazy the bob. bob. <laughs> what the fuck were they? Doing? I mean, I know they were trying their best, but my yeah, god! Between it's so like all ugly. the extra hair on wharf they took and put on Deanna Troy because you remember she had that big space cheerleader thing where it was like this big like yeah man. <sighs> but at the time, I'm sure it was fine because it was like <laughs> the 80s, 90s. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. Like, it was also like it probably it was looked whatever. very progressive and futuristic at the time. It did, but my God, when I see season one pictures of Worf, I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> anyway, so, so no, bad. this is so, so bad. <laughs> <laughs> it just barely covers post the back a of his now. That little yeah. yes, yes. Like when a, getting you a know haircut what? was a huge mistake. That's what you that know. Was. <laughs> Maybe what I'll do as we start to wrap because we're more than halfway through season six, and then there's just season seven left, so we're yeah. almost done, which is amazing, Crazy. and it's also kind of sad because you're mm-hmm. like, no, I don't want this journey dead. But maybe I'll do like the ten year, the ten year challenge or whatever. <laughs> Even though it was only seven years, <laughs> yes, yeah. you know, where it's like baby face Riker to like hot Riker and like Worf with the fucking ugly Bob to like Worf yeah. with his cool ass hair now. Like, yeah, you know, and Troy with the space cheerleader outfit, my God, mm-hmm. to like professional and Troy, Troy like, in her like uniform looking amazing. And then, and then mm-hmm. it would be data to data. Just the, just, he just gets a cool collar. That's it. Like, <laughs> anyway. Yeah. yeah. Final thoughts on this episode. My final thoughts were, I really like this episode. It feels like so many different things were happening Mm -hmm. that I'm surprised that everything fit into a 45-minute section. I really think it is because there was no wasted minutes and no wasted seconds. It felt like a lot was going on. I think 100% I agree with you. And I think that at this point, the show is such a well-polished and well-oiled machine that there is a real economy of storytelling now where every single shot means something and is there for a purpose to move the story, right? Whereas like we don't just have like random, you know, like, you know, 30 second clips of like some guy just walking down the hallway just to like fill the story, like, which, which makes it actually harder for us to review the episodes because you watch a 20 second scene and there's like 10 minutes of notes you need to write because so mm-hmm. much has happened in those 20 seconds but it's also a really good problem to have was we're so, this in was like the opposite of aquiel right i know we keep bringing that back oh to our my lowest, god our lowest point so far but like that episode we had a full 10 minutes of her doing her diary entries it was like an excess of things that didn't have anything to do with anything and this is like Every moment is a thing. Like the the mm-hmm. campfire stories were there for a reason. Yeah, he's, he's reigniting their passion. The little the, device in the wall the was there for a reason. The wall, yeah, the, like everything, even the yeah. court ha- that courtyard that was their only set. 
But mm-hmm. every time they came into the court courtyard, it looked totally different, and it had a different. Yeah, function. they shot like different angles of it. They really, yeah, yeah. They had like the garden to show the spear being used wrong. Then they had the garden again to show the hula hoops being used wrong. Then they had mm-hmm. the tai chi going on to explain tai chi. Then they had the firing squad in that same area. They had the canisters there so the bomb could go off in that area. I mean, like it was this one set, but even that, every time they showed it, it served a function that was totally yeah. separate from the last time we saw this exact same area which was one 100 percent. you know thinking back to aquiel if hell exists <laughs> and i'm sent to hell it would just be i would just be doomed you know like how like i i love greek mythology and they talk about like how in the underworld like um sisyphus had to like push the boulder up the yeah. up the hill forever because yeah. it would like yeah. you almost get to the top and it would roll back down and start all over again so if yeah. i were ever sent to hell and like doomed to like eternal pain it would just be me watching aquiel's freaking personal logs over and over again <laughs> like that would be the worst I again today Ugh. it was so scary shut up aquiel <laughs> cares about you anyway so that's that's klingon culture in a nutshell <laughs> it was great this episode was great it was, was good great it was super great. Um, I think th- I feel like those are kind of our final thoughts. Like it fulfills backstory. It gives us backstory that we didn't even know we needed. It gives Worf more purpose to like teach the young Klingons a way of life. Like it's a, it's a good episode. I really like yeah, it a lot. Worf is fantastic in this. Like I He's love just so great. I love seeing him be a full and complete person and not just mm-hmm. like the person who shoots people who come onto the bridge. Yeah, and that's it. And that's that's all he does. It's like here he's got thoughts yeah this is we're we're seeing we're seeing like the charmin side of Worf, like the softer (laughs) supple side of Worf. where also michael dorn major props to him because he is both like soft-spoken and also forceful yeah and like deliberate but you know really like i mean he kind of takes like he laughs he Mm -hmm. almost cries like there's a depth to him that we don't see certainly not in the early seasons where like him and Tasha Yar were just like intruder shoot extruder yeah. shoot like everything was shoot right <laughs> like everything intruders shoot <laughs> yeah 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 so <laughs> so this was this was awesome I wish they made would have made that onesie into like two pieces but other than that like you look I'm like Worf don't put the uniform back on you look amazing in all black let's make everybody wear all black everybody would look cool and all black anyway on that note, you guys, thank you so much for nerding out with us. Next week, we're talking season six, episode 18, Starship Mine. That one is a total banger. Can't wait to break it down. We'll catch you guys next week. Bye. Thanks for geeking out with us. Be sure to join the crew at thetngpodcast.com to be the first to know when we do our live shows or host events exclusively for our members. We'll see you next time.